In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, we're back here on the camp, and the Badgers have been busy since the last time we had a chance to talk. I know last time we talked, Jesse, we were wondering if we get a chance to talk with the coaches. We did, and we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, a lot of good stuff from Phil Longo and Mike Trussell, the offensive and defensive coordinators for Wisconsin, but they've also been extremely, extremely busy on the recruiting trail, namely in the transfer portal. Wisconsin's added, what is it, up to seven now? Uh, transfers to this point. Jesse, is that my is my number wrong? Or? Your, your your number is correct. It's seven right. and counting. I feel seven like we counting. need to preface this by saying that uh, whenever you are listening, you never know when the next one is coming because they're certainly not done. Yeah, no, the they're definitely. Yeah, no, they're definitely not done. So we're when we're recording this, it's about one fifteen Monday afternoon. Uh, they got it their seventh uh, Monday morning in uh, defensive end slash outside linebacker Jeff Petrowski from. Uh, Michigan state. So he's the latest, but they, and, and he was kind of came out of nowhere. I don't, there were, I don't know if there are a lot of people talking about him this week, uh, this weekend, we heard a lot about the wide receivers, the two young men from, uh, from Cincinnati. We heard about CJ Williams, the young guy from USC and Byron green from Oklahoma state. There's also a kicker from Ohio that was in town visiting as well. And is probably going to be, well, we'll see. Uh, not going to, as is again, as you listen to this at one fifteen. By the time you hear it, things will probably have changed. However, uh, what Wisconsin has done in the transfer portal, uh, very impressive. And I think, you know, a lot of people is focused on the quarterbacks, right? Tanner Mordecai and Nick Evers, huge gets. But I think an under the radar grab, uh, Jesse, was getting Jake Renfro from uh, from Cincinnati, the uh, former All-AAC center, first team uh, All-AAC center in uh, 2021, missed pretty much the entire 2022 season with an injury, but uh, had some other opportunities to go elsewhere. He ends up going to Wisconsin. I think he visited LSU over the weekend. I know you had an opportunity to chat with uh, with some people around him. Why is he a Badger? Yeah, I would say, I don't even know if I would go as far to say it's under the radar. I think when we look back at this, this will be one of the most important additions in this entire cycle right now. I would, for what it means for this coming season. Uh, and I, I suppose that doesn't necessarily include Nick Evers if we believe Tanner Mordecai is the day one starter. I would put this at number two behind Mordecai because of Renfro's coming in and he's immediately the starting center and it moves Tanner Bordellini to guard and there's a lot of pieces that Wisconsin can play with. Uh, but why he came, I, I, I had an opportunity to talk to him and his dad on Monday morning and he said that it's always been a dream of his to play in the Big Ten. He grew up a Big Ten fan. He's from Illinois, but he wasn't recruited heavily by Big Ten schools because they told him that he was too small to play in the league. He was six foot three and 300 pounds coming out of high school. And now he's six, three, three twenty. So he got a lot of Mac offers. Cincinnati offered him. He said Syracuse offered him late, but that was too far away for him. And it was pretty late in the recruiting cycle. And he went to Cincinnati and obviously had a chip on his shoulder and went out and just dominated as a center. As you mentioned, he was the first team all conference player in 2021. And I asked him about his injury. He said he tore his meniscus in his knee a couple days before the season opener this past season. And obviously he missed the season. And I think Badgers fans may be wondering where he's at. He said he hasn't started running yet, but he expects to be full go for spring practice. Obviously that's about two and a half months away. And he's pretty confident that he'll be able to walk in there and 
show why he deserves to be the starting center. But it's a couple different things that he's coming here. Loves the offensive line tradition, loves what they've been able to do, and clearly had developed a tremendous relationship with Luke Fickle because Renfro was at Cincinnati for the past three seasons, came in in 2020 um, and played for two seasons before he got hurt. And you mentioned some of the other options that he had. When, when I was talking to his dad, and you probably hear this a lot with guys who are immediately in the transfer portal, but they're just flooded with schools. His dad estimated that there were probably 50 schools that reached out to him, but the only two, the only two that he even considered or talked to was Wisconsin and LSU. And LSU was in the picture because his offensive uh, coordinator at Cincinnati um, was at LSU. And so that's why he was considering them, but it wasn't enough to overcome what Wisconsin had. And he visited Wisconsin in December. And then he said he, he actually came back this, this past week. I don't know if anybody saw him. knew that. Well, we, we saw, saw Joe Huber, I think. Oh, okay. Um, that wasn't, that wasn't uh, Jake Renfro. I don't think so. I think that was Joe Huber. Who's a, another former Cincinnati right. offensive lineman. Um, That's committed. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, he was walking around with, uh, with Darian Varner, right. They Darian popped their Varner. heads in when we were yeah. going to talk to the coaches. Um, but Renfro came for the Wednesday and Thursday as well. I guess they called him on or sent him a message on Wednesday morning and asked if he'd want to stop by for a visit. And he was there by the afternoon. Um, but I think it's huge for, for Wisconsin and, and what it means. And he's got high hopes for what he can do here and really high hopes for what he thinks Wisconsin can do because he said that he thinks they can win a big 10 championship in year one. Now, obviously talk is cheap, but it's a good starting point to have guys coming in that are so confident in what they believe is possible under fickle. Is talk cheap, Jesse. Uh, we're going to get into apparently some people, <laughs> you know, what, what uh, Mike Trussell had to say, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later, but with Jake Renfro, I think, you know, the only spot they had open on the, offensive line coming back off of last year. And again, we don't know what Jack Bicknell is going to want that offensive line to look like. So this is all just us piecing it together because uh, we, we just don't know. Right. Uh, we saw what happened when it went from Joe Rudolph to Bob Bostad. There were some changes. Guys were potentially able to work at some spots and not able to work at other spots. I mean, like Tanner Bordellini was a tackle under, under Joe Rudolph just to get him on the field. And that was not an option under Bob Bostad. We'll see exactly what Jack Bicknell wants, but putting Jake Renfro into that center spot allows them to move Tanner Bonellini to a spot, perhaps wherever they have a hole. I, I think it's just, it's a massive, like he fills the hole that Joe Tipman left. And it's a, it's a massive addition that you're able to get a guy who was an all conference first team, all type of guy that had a lot of different options. And this feels like it just works perfect for him. Yeah, I think so. Um, and he said his understanding is that he's walking in day one as the starting center. I mean, nothing's promised and he, he wants to go prove it himself, but yeah, he's a mauler, and he's, his dad said he's mean and nasty, and, and Jake said that too. It's, it, love it really fits, I it love fits that. everything. <laughs> yeah, it, it fits everything that you want. And, I, I mean, guys had to be the top center available in the portal uh, based on everything that he's done. Um, obviously, has to be able to come back from the injury, but this just feels like the perfect fit, and he's so excited to get going. And I just think that this makes the O-line so much better because – let's say that and again we don't we haven't had a ch chance to talk to jack Bicknell jr and so don't necessarily know what he's thinking but if bordellini is a guard you like jack nelson at left tackle riley malman you like him at right tackle although there could be some competition you've got michael fertney who's started several games as a six-year senior got joe brunner who looked really good in the bowl game was their top rated recruit in the last recruiting class and then you've got trey wedig so 
talk about competition. It's only going to make that group better. Yeah. There's, we've talked about how talented the offensive line is just in terms of stars and that type of thing. And that, and that is, and they, they, uh, you mentioned Joe Hebert, right. Um, mm-hmm. and, and what he's another guy, I mean, he's a former walk-on that earned his way onto the field the last couple of years with Cincinnati. And now he's a right tackle, but he could play. I feel like he's, he's got a body type that could potentially play inside or outside. I, I, I just really love what they've done this with this group and they, they needed to add some bodies to it with uh, not really having, I mean, they only have the one player currently, currently in the 2023 recruiting class, right? Um, James Duran. So they needed to add some bodies to this to replace a Joe Titman, to replace a Logan Brown, to replace perhaps, you know, maybe some other guys that maybe will, will move on. I, I, I think they've done a good job. And I don't, again, I don't want to say they're done because it feels like you know, as soon as you say they're done, they're adding more people and then they potentially could along the offensive line. But I like what they've done to, to kind of shore up some of the uh, depth issues or even just the, the numbers issues at the spot. Yeah. I just wrote a, a column about this and um, I think sometimes it's tough not to be a prisoner of the moment, but I'd like to think having enough time around this program, I have at least a decent uh, perspective on this. And I honestly, Zach, I, and maybe you feel differently. I cannot remember an off season that has contained this much excitement at Wisconsin during that entire time. And I, I, I think it's important to note that part of that has to do with what's happening with the transfer portal, which didn't exist for a large part of that stretch. So it is an apples to oranges comparison. But the story that I wrote really highlighted Luke Fickle's competitiveness and this relentless drive on the recruiting trail. I know that's something I've talked about in previous shows, but you just see it over and over again, the things that they're able to do and the types of players that they're bringing in. Every time he has the same 15 second graphic on Twitter with the hashtag on Wisconsin, everyone's going crazy. And it's, it's all part of a coordinated effort too. If you've noticed it's, it's always at a predetermined time. The player then publicly announces the commitment sometime in the next 30 minutes, but look at, look at what they've been able to do in in the portal. Yes. They've gotten seven guys, but they've upgraded the quarterback room in a way that uh, I just didn't know that was possible at Wisconsin to have two four previous four-star guys coming in and a four-star commitment in 2024. You mentioned what's out there at wide receiver. I certainly think they're going to upgrade there. And even in recruiting what he was able to do in the 2023 class to bring six people back into the fold, I think there are several examples so far that just show that sort of relentless drive. The fact that they visited Jonas DeClona three times in Naples, Florida over two weeks, including the day after he finished his official visit in Madison. The fact that Luke Fickle never gave up on Tretch Kekahuna even after he committed to Arizona on a Saturday, four days before the early signing period, he winds up flipping to Wisconsin. And then Darian Varner, the, the kid who was from Temple. We saw him pop in there on during our interview session or right before with Phil Longo and Mike Tressel. And I kind of, we, we were both sitting there trying to figure out because he had a, the Temple logo on his, uh, on his sweatpants and you were looking it up like, well, who's in the portal from Temple? And it was like, huh, like that's really interesting because I thought he was committed to Virginia Tech, which he was. It's non-binding if you're a transfer, transfer until you enroll on campus. But when I talked to him, Luke Fickle never stopped talking to him. He reached out three days before he ended up, uh, I guess you could say, not signing, but was announced at Virginia Tech. And they talked every single day for 18 straight days until he visited and committed. And so all of that has fed into this frenzy right now of excitement that they're upgrading the roster and that there's just so much optimism. Now you got to go out and do it on the field since there's not a game for seven months. I think it's been a pretty damn good first six weeks under Luke Fickle and in December and January. 
They don't quit. They no. don't stop. That's don't what stands s- out the most. They don't sleep. I'm not sure they do. No, it's 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 funny. So we'll, we'll get into what Phil Longo said about his offense and everything. But the end of it, after everybody, we're, after we're done with all our questions. He calls us all up, or not calls us all up, but we're all standing around and we're just like about to leave. And he's like, hey, wait, wait, wait. He gave us his phone number, right? Never and happened just, before, ever. Ever, ever. He just gives us his phone number. It was like, if you have any questions or if you need anything, if anything pops up, this is a way to reach out. And so he tells us to text him mm-hmm. our name and our affiliation, just, you know, just so he has the name yep. and that's fine. So I did that right after we got done. Right. Me too. Me too. Well, I'm, I'm interested to hear what time you heard back. 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> I get a text back. You probably got one right away, but I got one back. It was like 2.30 in the morning. And I'm like, does this dude, 2.04, does this dude ever sleep? What are, go, what, they are they are absolutely uh relentless that even you know in the middle of the night like yep here i'm gonna, re- I'm gonna return some texts so yes i received my text at 2 12 a.m now football coaches i think in general probably just live at the office but uh clearly these guys are putting in a lot of work yeah so it, it is relentless and you mentioned the excitement and I, it's always difficult to judge excitement but i think for us and maybe this isn't this is probably going to be feeding into the narrative that all we care about is clicks. But that said, <laughs> that said, the clicks on stories, the clicks and the listens, the podcasts and the, the interaction on Twitter is the highest I've ever seen. And it's not even particularly close. People cannot get enough of Wisconsin football right now. And I think that's that's great. And I think what they've done is, is great. And again, things could change as soon as they have to actually go step on the field and play a game. But what they've done in this first month and change has been uh, unlike anything I've seen at Wisconsin before. And and quite honestly, un, unlike something I thought we would ever see at Wisconsin, though I, I do, again, the transfer portal plays such an important role in this excitement. Because if you're unable to get a Nick Evers, or he has to sit out a year when he comes in, or Tanner Mordecai has to come in and, and sit out here before he can play, maybe the excitement isn't there. But the excitement around everything is just at, at a different level. And I can't imagine it slowing down anytime soon because these names are just going to keep on rolling in. They're they're not done in the transfer world by any stretch. And again, as I said last week or whenever we talked, can't wait for spring ball. I cannot wait for spring ball. And I would never say that at this time of year, any other year. <laughs> From my perspective as a reporter, it's it's been invigorating. Um, not to say that I don't love my job anyway. I wouldn't do it if I you know, didn't love, love it, but to have this level of excitement, you're right. People are reading at sort of an unprecedented clip and it makes you want to do your best. And it makes you want to keep telling these stories. And there are so many to tell because they keep bringing quality players into the fold and it just sort of raises what you think is possible. And, and I mean, again, they're, they're not winning a championship in the first or second week in January, but fickle is putting the building blocks in place for, for what feels like something different and just, I think raising the belief here and, and that's a change. And I think back to 2011, my, yeah. my first year on the beat. Now, Russell Wilson, he committed a couple months before I moved to Madison, but think back to that and how much excitement there was that didn't happen until the end of June. It was a single player. It was a quarterback. Now, obviously that quarterback had the greatest single season we've ever seen at Wisconsin, but this is like tenfold. Um, I'm not putting Tanner Mordecai on, you know, that he's going to be the next Russell Wilson, but they got someone who's thrown 72 touchdown passes the last two seasons. 
Daryl Bevler has the program program record at Wisconsin with 59, albeit in a much different system. But they got Mordecai, then they got Evers. They've obviously got maybe Mattire in the in the 2024 class. That's three former four-star quarterbacks, or I guess two former four-star Mabry still is, and all these other pieces coming in via the portal and with recruiting. And I haven't even mentioned that they got two four-star defensive backs coming in in this class. I know that they were previously committed to Fickle at Cincinnati, but never before in the internet ranking year had they gotten two four-star defensive backs in the same class. So there just seem to be upgrades across the board. And because this hasn't stopped, it's continuing to generate excitement. And and like I said, there are more commitments on the way. Well, you know, it's hilarious as you say that. Uh, last night, Phil Longo sent out the tweet, um, <laughs> right? Uh, five, what was it? Um, here, I'm going to find it exactly. Five more weapons coming to Madison. Badgers getting better every day. And just minutes ago, as, as you were talking, he sent out another tweet. I'm sorry, did I say five? I meant seven. Two more weapons joining <laughs> UW football. They are incredible. Uh, yeah, they are. They're crushing it um, on a number of different levels. And I would expect some of those to be actual weapons as opposed to uh, I shouldn't say that. I don't want to offend offensive linemen. They are they are weapons as well in their own respect. That said, you would expect some of these guys to be potentially in uh, the wide receiver room joining them because uh, they had a lot of those guys in and we'll see exactly how that plays out. But again, as I said, the excitement around it at a different level than we've, than we've ever seen. And uh, quite honestly, um, as you said, it's, it's invigorating and it's great to see. And it's great for people to be able to latch onto this and, and uh, go for the ride. This is, this is a very open, this is as open of a, of the program as I've seen in a long time, right? Like the, uh, the interaction on, Twitter with coaches, obviously Paul Chris, that wasn't Paul Chris thing. And, and he, you know, Bobby Ingram and, and uh, Jim Leonard weren't exactly that. And Joe Rudolph wasn't that it's just like the interaction with the program and around the program, the feel around the program, the information that's getting out. It's just, uh, it's a good spot for the program to be in right now. And um, certainly a completely, absolutely different feeling than um, what October 1st, October 2nd, uh, a <laughs> lot has happened. So. A lot has happened in the last uh, three months. So, so Joe Huber was the other guy. That, I know we kind of talked about it, but Joe Huber, another guy that they're adding in there, um, Darian Varner. You mentioned the the defensive lineman of all. And, and take Renfro out of it and take the quarterbacks out of it. Which other which are the other ones that they've gotten to this point? Uh, do you think are the best ads for them? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I'm going to go with Varner, um, and I don't know exactly how this is going to work or fit in. And I know we'll we'll get to the conversations that we had with both. Phil Longo and Mike Tressel. Um, so specifically about what kind of defense they're going to run, but Varner was a first team all conference guy in the AAC. Um, this is the other thing that Fickle is going out and getting proven guys. Um, and like I said, he had been announced as part of Virginia tech's class, but he said that he was hearing from, I believe it was Auburn and Ole Miss and obviously Wisconsin. And he told me that he had planned on potentially even visiting Ole Miss um, but I just, I, I think that's someone that has a lot of potential. The one thing that I'm not sure about is how his size translates to the big 10 and obviously fickle and the staff, part of me thinks if they're not concerned, then I shouldn't be concerned, but he's six two, two sixty five, 265. And you look at, he's coming in as a defensive end. You look at some of these other ends, Isaiah Mullins, who's coming back. He's six four three oh three. Rodas Johnson, six two, but he's two ninety three. James Thompson jr. Six five, two ninety five. So I don't know exactly what that looks like in the big 10, but this is a guy who was 290 and slimmed down 25, 30 pounds and had the year of his college football career. So 
he's someone who I think excites me. I just don't know exactly how they're going to deploy him, but he's got two years of eligibility. So maybe they've got some time to to change his body if they feel necessary. He had his best season when he had dropped some weight. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult. You would think it'd be difficult to play that spot. But again, we don't know exactly what the defense is going to look like. Maybe, right. uh, you know what, let's let's get into that here. Okay. Uh, we did get a chance to talk, talk with uh, Mike Trussell last week. And uh, I don't know if we got a, a great answer exactly. He's, he didn't want to give away too many details. He wants to give uh, people something to uh, have to uh, prepare for. But I will say, I, I don't think it's going to just be the straight 3-3-5 that um, some people are expecting it to be where you're just going to throw everything out throw everything away uh, that has been successful. And we kind of heard that from, from Luke fickle. And I thought what it was, was clear was, can they, what can they take from the previous defense and what can they take from what they know uh, and what's worked for them and integrate it together and mesh it together to come up with the best possible unit. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but do you have a better feel for, for maybe what they're going to be working with when we, we see them in spring? Not at this point. One of the things that he did say is, is some of the stuff they did at Cincinnati, which operates at a three, three, five tended to look like a three, four. Um, but I use this advanced stat in my story about Trestle that according to true media, Cincinnati played 627 snaps this past season out of a three, three, five. That was about 66% of its snaps. So the most used personnel grouping and then Wisconsin played 518 snaps in that two, four, five, which is what they used when they went to the nickel. And that was Wisconsin's most used grouping. So Obviously, something's got to change there. But one thing that he did talk about was how much he values the outside linebacker tradition here and the talent that's currently on the roster. And kind of like Phil Longo and discussing the running backs, which we'll get to, Tressel sees that Wisconsin has had success for a decade at outside linebacker, just churning out dudes who have, I mean, Joe Schobert, TJ Watt, Zach Baum, those are first team All Americans. Nick Herbig coming off a great season. And when you, can recruit those types of players. I don't think you want to get rid of them. And so he sees that, but I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. And it, it's something that he said they're continuing to talk about other than recruiting. It's their top priority as it should be. So I think they're going in a really good position though, because this isn't a situation where you've got to come in and overhaul everything. This is a defense that has been very good. And even though the group fell off this past season from the, the clip that it was at in 2021, it was still a top 10, top 15, top 20 defense, depending on what metric you use. So there are still some good pieces to work with. I also think he said it's going to be unique, right? It's not going to be mm-hmm. the 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 three three five where you have the three down linemen and you have the three linebackers stacked behind them and, and that type of thing. It's going to they, he what their three three five looks like in the base looks or I should say what their three three five looks like has a similar feel to what Wisconsin's three, four base defense is uh, putting guys. And what he, he kind of was talking about, you know, dealing with uh, offenses, like, I guess we can call it Wisconsin's now, but <laughs> offenses, offenses like Phil Longo wants to run, put guys in windows that make it difficult to succeed with those type of offenses. Either way, I, I'm anxious to see exactly what it does look like, but I don't think we're going to be seeing like a, a huge, a huge transition away from what has now they're Are they going to move some guys around? Are they going to have to move some uh, guys around to make it work? Absolutely. And guys are going to be in different spots and have different looks and different responsibilities, but I don't think it's going to be as jarring as maybe obviously what it will be on offense. I think that's yeah, safe to say. I think that's fair. Uh, one other point that I want to make, which I mentioned in the story and we won't have this answer until the season starts but I do think it's something to keep in mind is how much Phil Longo's offenses are going to impact 
Wisconsin's defense and either the types of players that Trestle wants or what he needs to help get through a game. And I say that just because of how much tempo North Carolina played with over the past four seasons under Longo and how much tempo his offenses traditionally have played with. That lends itself to having less time of possession on offense. And one thing that Wisconsin has been able to hang its hat on for years is being one of the best teams in the country in time of possession. And then what I referenced is that over the last four years, North Carolina's national ranking on average in time of possession was 61st, a little over 30 minutes a game offensively. And Wisconsin's was 11 and a half. And three of the last four seasons, they were in the top 10. And two of them, they were number one. And they had the ball for over 34 minutes. And I, I just wonder over the course of a game what that will look like defensively. And it's just something that is another wrinkle um, to Longo's offense and how it will impact the defense. For sure. And what about in practice? Well, I thought that, that was another that important was kind of, thing. I thought that, that was kind of said. funny. Yeah. That they, and this is, I thought it was a good point too, because you don't really think about that, but in practice, what they face against Wisconsin is not necessarily going to be what they face against other big 10 teams, which is the exact opposite of what's happened in practice over these recent years. And that's why Trestle specifically made a point to say that it's going to be important for fickle to set up periods in which the defense gets, as he called it, the smash mouth type of football end quote that Wisconsin has traditionally been so good at handling. So yes, spring practice on a number of fronts is going to be fascinating. And obviously I hope we have the opportunity to watch it. There's gotta be a spring game, right? There, there should be. be. If, you, if you've got excitement like this, bring some people into the fold, just run some bland vanilla stuff that doesn't matter and get people excited. You got to do so. Yeah. I, I feel like they will. Um, haven't actually talked to anybody, but I know they did stuff at Cincinnati. I would have to, there's no way you, they wouldn't capitalize on what they've done to this point. So we'll see when it gets to there. Um, but anxious to anxious to get to spring ball. Speaking of the offense, I think that's where a lot of the excitement and the um, feeling around the program uh, is, is because it's, it is going to be a significant change. We've, we uh, now a significant change in identity, but Phil Longo says he'd be an idiot or a fool to, uh, to not run the ball when you have the type of backfield that Wisconsin has. And I agree with that. I also think it's a situation where you have to work with the talent that you have. And like he did in his first couple of years at North Carolina, when you had the backs that they did, you tend to want to feature those guys. And when you maybe don't have the backs that you did those first two years, like these last two seasons, maybe you feature some other players and you use the quarterback run game more there. There's just a whole bunch to this, but when you heard Phil Longo talk and you got to get a little bit of idea what he sees could be for uh, Wisconsin, do you have an initial impression impressions of him as an off as the offensive coordinator? Well, get, I'm very impressed. I'm very okay. impressed. He was articulate and he was detailed. Um, and I think he strikes me as someone who really will enjoy teaching the game to people, including media members. Um, and that was the sense that I got about a month ago when I had talked to some other coaches who had worked with him at previous stops. I'm not surprised that about what he said in regards to the importance of running backs at Wisconsin, because clearly that was a question that had kind of been flying around since he got hired about what that would look like. But what stands out to me most is something you alluded to, Zach, is, and he said this, steer your system in the direction of where the talent takes you. And everywhere he's been, that's what he's been able to do. And I go back to when he was at Sam Houston setting records with Jeremiah Briscoe at quarterback in 2016. Briscoe set the FCS single season record with 57 touchdown passes. That guy couldn't run a lick and they had great success offensively. The two years before that, when Briscoe wasn't the guy, Sam Houston averaged 3,842 yards rushing and 44 touchdowns each of those seasons and had a lot of success that way. 
And you mentioned at North Carolina, when he had two great running backs in 2020, each guy ran for a thousand yards this past season. He mentioned this. There were a lot of young running backs at North Carolina. You can go look at the numbers. Uh, not a lot of yardage from the running backs, but he felt like he had three great tight ends and threw to the tight ends a ton. And so it gives Wisconsin a lot of versatility. And I think it allows him to have a little bit of time to get the types of players in that he wants, but you can still have success when you don't necessarily have them. I just think it's tremendously exciting for Wisconsin because we're talking about things offensively that we've never talked about before. Again, goes back to you got to go out and execute it. But the fact that they've been able to upgrade at quarterback, that they're in hot pursuit of some talented wide receivers, and they've got two really good running backs already in the fold, and they've made the offensive line better. There's just a lot of reason for excitement about, I think, what's possible with this offense. You think they'll have the players, and again, they, as you mentioned, they're in hot pursuit of some of these guys and and all that. Do you think they'll have the players in place to do exactly what they want to do in year one? It's hard for me to say that right now. I I think a lot of this comes down to who ends up coming at wide receiver. Um, and the top three that Wisconsin have coming back, I don't know if they necessarily got the credit for some of the stuff they were able to do this past season. That's another thing that Longo said is they're going to have, he said, you get what you emphasize. And at Wisconsin, they've emphasized obviously building it big up front, running it downhill, being physical, but those wide receivers are going to have opportunities to do things that they didn't really have a chance to do before. And so maybe that makes Chimray DK, Skyler Bell, Keontes Lewis even better. But if they can get a couple of the names that we've thrown out there at wide receiver, it certainly makes it more possible. And Longo did say he would like a room with up to 11 or 12 wide receivers. And, and Wisconsin, as we're having the conversation, as far as we know, had nine scholarship wide receivers. So I I don't know. I also thought it was interesting that sounds like it doesn't necessarily take a long time to learn the offense, but it's kind of like reminds me of chess. Like you can learn the game, but maybe it takes you a long time to master because he talked about spending the four, first four days of spring ball installing whole offense and the next four days reinstalling it. And then the second half of spring, just going over special situations. I thought that was really interesting as well. I mean, I've never necessarily heard a, a coach come in right away and lay it out like that. But yeah, there's, I think they will have a chance to, but it's hard to say without knowing exactly what the roster looks like. Or I think the benefit to be able to, to be able to do that is these next two months. Cause it's not like they're not going to be, you know, working towards this, right? Like, it's not like they're going to be teaching the off. They're going to be teaching the offense the next two months. They won't be seeing it for the first time in March, right? It'll be, it'll be something that they'll have worked on here these last few months. I thought one of your questions kind of elicited, it might've been one of your questions. I think it was elicited. It was, was his philosophy, right? Like what's, mm -hmm. what's his offensive philosophy. And I thought he, there's a lot to it, but I thought, I thought it was pretty, he simplified it pretty well. It's stretched them horizontally before the snap, meaning get them spread out defensively as much as you possibly can before the snap, stretch them vertically post-snap, and get the uh, the defensive players as far away from each other as humanly possible, and then get the ball to your athletes and let them go be athletes. Yeah. You're right. Um, so, you know, like we'll, we'll teach them and we'll coach them, and then when you get the ball in their hands, let them go do what makes them athletes. And if we have to coach them after they get the ball in their hands, then we got the wrong guys. I thought that was, I thought that was really good from him. That's as simple, uh, simplified as uh, an offense as I think you could possibly make what is probably a lot more complex. Yeah. Um, I, I, he said his focus is on people who can change direction and 
that are fast and it is, it is really, it is so simple and it, it makes it, it's, I've heard people say a lot that people take football and they complicate a simple game. And that's kind of what it feels like with, with, with Longo that he's, he's simplifying it and some people can make it complicated, but I, I do wonder how these players, how quickly they'll be able to take to the offense. And that's another thing that Longo said that I, I also thought was interesting, which I feel like I'm rattling off about 15 bullet points, but everything he said was, um, to no me, worries. it was interesting. Yeah, it was because <laughs> he was asked, how long does it take guys to learn this offense? And he, he said that it was a good question. And he went back to his first season at Sam Houston, that the previous staff, Willie Fritz, I think it was, they ran the triple option. And he said that you could not have a more different offense than the one that he had. And they went in in the first season. That was a good program to begin with, which should be noted. But his first season, they reached the FCS, I believe, semifinals of the, the playoffs. So He's had success a lot of places that he's been, and um, I, I'm very curious to see how long it takes this group to learn it. But I think they've got really smart players and talented players, and I'm eager to see what he can do with some of these athletes in space because I feel as though we've heard that the last few years about, oh, the offense, oh, it's going to be it's going to be different. Oh, we want to get the ball to our playmakers, but now I think we'll really have a chance to see it. Yes. I, I, it's not lip service. It's It's who they're going to be offensively. Right. It's not it's not about trying to change anything. It's it's who they're going to be. I, I shouldn't say change anything. Obviously, they're changing anything. But this isn't like a this isn't Paul Chris offense where you're just trying to change here. One thing here, one thing there. This is going to be a whole new offense, a whole different look and a whole different feel to it. And yes, uh, based on his previous track record everywhere he's been, um, that's kind of how it is. Uh, one thing before we, we move on, there was a, a report this morning that they're trying they're looking to add more quarterbacks. Uh, to this to this class or to this uh, to this room, um, it was uh, from from rivals, former Mississippi State quarterback Bra- uh, Braden Locke, who was a four star kid out of. Can you guess? I know you already know where he's from, but anybody out there, can you guess where he's from? Because apparently Phil Longo only wants only wants quarterbacks from Texas because uh, <laughs> he is from Rockwall, Texas. He had an offer to go to North Carolina and uh, end up choosing Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Uh, he in the transfer portal and uh, apparently. Uh, hosted him over the weekend that seems like a lot of guys in the room but again uh after the last few years with the lack of competition in that room i don't hate it uh, it does seem like an awful lot it makes me wonder and quarterback in particular if you bring another guy like that in then perhaps some quarterbacks who were recruited on the previous staff don't wind up sticking it out um that's pure speculation on my part and we're not there yet but Locke was a four-star kid in the 2022 class, which is the same as Nick Evers. Um, so that would be two redshirt freshmen coming in. Um, and Miles and you've got, and you've got Miles Burkett, who'd be a redshirt freshman. And you've got maybe Mattire coming in as a true freshman next year. And obviously Cole Cruz is a true freshman this year. Uh, I don't know. I, competition is never a bad thing. I'd say that, but uh, to be determined, they just, it's relentless. They do not stop. Again, don't hate it. All right. You mentioned it earlier. Uh, something about what What about words? Words don't matter or something. Uh, things <laughs> that what'd you say exactly? I forget exactly what it was. I think I said talk is cheap. Talk is I'm not cheap. opposed right. to it at times right. because I know where this is going. Yeah. Talk is cheap unless you are Mike Trestle because Mike Trestle set the world on fire um, on Thursday. He said a lot of interesting things. Phil Longo said a ton of interesting things. 
And yet uh, the, the comment that stuck out or stood out more so than any other was Mike Trussell being asked by Jim Polzine what Wisconsin ceiling is. Here, here I'll, I'll play it for you. This is what Mike Trussell had to say. National championship is the ceiling. And this program can do it. We're going to get it done. All right. National championship. And they're going to get it done, Jesse. First of all, do you have any issue with him saying it? There were there no. were some people there were some people out there that, that took issue saying he's putting himself in a bad position. I'm not pointing fingers, but I am pointing fingers. Right at you, Ben Kenny. Wet blanket Ben Kenny from Kenny and Heilprin. Wet blanket. We're, that's all I'm going to talk about uh, Ben Kenny on this episode. He doesn't deserve any more. But for for you, do you have any issue with him saying it? Well, He's not here to defend himself, so I will only stick to uh, my perspective on it. <laughs> well, I'll, what I'll, I would say is, I'll kill him for it. No, I don't yeah. have any issue with it. First of all, what is he supposed to say? Well, I feel like the ceiling is maybe we could get into the 12-team playoff after it expands, and hopefully we could win a game. No, these guys are coming here because they believe they can achieve something special. This is a coach who was on Fickle staff in 2021, not all that long ago, I remind you, that led Cincinnati to the college football playoff became the very first group of five team ever to get there. I think there was a stretch there where you wondered whether that was even possible and, and they were able to do it. And so to get that close with Cincinnati, you come to Wisconsin where you feel like you've got more resources and more opportunity to have success. Absolutely not. I suppose the one part of the quote that you could potentially have an issue is with him saying, we're going to get it done. But if you're a fan of this program, wouldn't you want coaches here who are either a willing to put themselves out there, but B have such a strong belief in what they believe is possible here. So I don't have any problem with this at all. And again, I reference talk is cheap in the sense that what you say now doesn't impact what happens during the season in September and October, but it certainly doesn't hurt to have that belief. And if you have that belief and you're at the top, that's going to trickle down to other guys. I also understand that it doesn't necessarily work that way. Because, and I think to, I think of the year when TJ Edwards came back and in spring practice, people asked him, why did you decide to come back? And he talked about winning championships and that was a big talking point and Wisconsin did not win a championship. No. But I don't have a problem with people saying it because I believe that it comes from a place of pure belief. I completely agree. And it's not like it's the first time anybody has talked about it. You mentioned, obviously, TJ Edwards, but I remember Derek Tindall talking about it all the time. Like he asking him what his expectations for the 2017 were national championship. Like that's, that's what it was. Even the great Jim Leonard was asked uh, in the spring of 2021 when he turned down, essentially turned down green Bay for their coordinator job. And he said, I came here wanting to win national championships. So, um, and the, you know, there was a whole lot more to that quote that uh, doesn't necessarily lead to my point or work with my point, but him saying that it's, it's not the first coach that said it. He was just a little bit more direct about it. And uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if you're not, if your goal isn't that, then w- what are we doing? Exactly. Because it's, it, because it's become to this point, championships matter. Uh, division championships matter. Conference championships matter. But the national championship is, is truly, truly, obviously the, the pinnacle of what you're trying to do. And if you can win the Big Ten West, and obviously this is going to change after next year, but if you can win the Big Ten West this year and you get a tra- chance to play in the Big Ten championship game, and if you win that, then you're going to be in the, you're likely going to be in the college football playoff. And then you're right there. So it's not like it's so unthinkable, especially with what TCU is doing. And I know TCU is a little bit of a, a, a different animal. Um, just they, they've uh, they've won some very, very close games. They've won some absolute barn burners throughout the entire year. A lot of things have gone their way. 
But if they somehow, and we're talking about this on Monday, if they somehow pull off a win tonight, I feel like it, it has to give everyone else that is not one of the Blue Bloods, and Wisconsin is not one of the Blue Bloods, at least a little hope that they can do it too. Um, the, and go ahead. Well, the thing is that we're not talking about something that is just so outlandish uh, of a statement. And this well, is I mean, not. I mean, Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin's been playing football for over 100 years. They don't have one. Correct. But what I mean by that is this has been a program that is as good as you could be without getting into that conversation that they've been on the cusp that if there was a 12 team playoff in the BCS era, they would have been there a handful of times. So it's not like we're talking about, I don't want to throw shade at any particular program, but like Kansas football. And I could say that since I went to KU and they had a great season this year, but um that's not something that feels realistic, at least at this point, with a program that hasn't been on the cusp of getting into the playoff. You know, five years ago, Wisconsin was undefeated in that midfield, like we know, with a chance to get in. So it's a program that's been close. And you add the the culture that they have here, the quality, the talent, the, the developmental aspect of it with this new coaching staff. And, and maybe that is the group that can get it over the hump. But Everybody in that group believes that it's possible. And look, that's one of the first statements that Luke Fickle made in his introductory press conference with reporters when he was hired was that he wanted to win championships. And I think sometimes you could say, well, that's lip speak from a coach, but that's the first thing that he said when he came to Cincinnati and eventually they did. And so there's confidence, but they also have a track record of doing it. And that's why I think when they say it, it's something that you you should listen to and not say like this is just unnecessary at this point. Chris McIntosh said it. He said we want to compete for yep. championships. We want to compete for championships, and they didn't think that they were getting that done uh, under Paul Christ. Um, so I, to sit here and say oh you're, you're putting pressure on yourself or you you know this is uh, work don't talk type of thing. No, no. Put your goals out there. And, if, and everyone knows everyone in college football's goal should be that. Now, uh, is it realistic for everybody? Absolutely not. But should you, uh, I mean, there's dreams and there's goals and some goals, you know, maybe are way out there for Wisconsin winning a national championship feels like it's way out there yet. Why would you ever shy away from saying that's the goal and that we right. think we can get it done? You know, I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I just, I just don't, you know, agree with, with that kind of thinking. So, I mean, I throwing out a wet blanket on any, any of this at this point, <laughs> I don't like it all. That said, I thought this was a interesting question that I got uh, mm-hmm. from CT Badger. He said, if Paul Christ had hired Phil Longo as his offensive coordinator, would he still be Wisconsin's head coach today? Um, I don't know how to answer that question because I think one of the things with Paul was that when he hired Bobby Ingram, it certainly felt like Paul was still heavily involved with the offense. And I imagine some of that had to do with that He hired a coach who had never called plays before, and it was going to be a collaborative effort, which is something we heard right off the bat. And Phil Longo has proven himself in a way that uh, that's, that's not how it would go down. But I also, I just could never have seen Paul doing something in, in this fashion. And, and maybe it's, not fair to speculate because he's not here to talk about it, but all we can do is base it on, on what we've covered and what we've seen. I just, this is not something that, that would have happened because of the way that it sort of shifts the identity. And, and I don't know, because 
all this talk about this great hire comes down to what it looks like on the field. And, you know, if they keep, if they go three and out or they struggle in the red zone, which I know people have complained about at times, something that happened with Longo at North Carolina, then it doesn't look as good, but I just, this would never would have happened yeah. <laughs> under Paul. And it didn't happen, which is why he hired Bobby Ingram. And, and now obviously he's no longer the head coach. Right, right, right. But if he hired Phil and was willing to give <laughs> up that, play calling and, and sure. not would he still be the head coach if he was willing to modernize the offense to the point where sure. it doesn't look anything like him is well, it, sure yeah i'll say fine if probably you put it that way and i'm not gonna hedge i'll say yes because this defense under jim lennon i think i had it in a, a story in in the sixth season that he was the defensive coordinator wisconsin ranked first in total defense in the fbs second in run defense fifth in scoring defense so they had a damn good defense most every season. And what held Wisconsin back, especially in the last three seasons, which led to this, the offense, the passing game. It was stagnant. It didn't get better. Well, it got better, I suppose, a little bit this season, but not enough to prevent Wisconsin from ending the regular season six and six. And so if you bring in a mind like this that could totally transform that, yeah, <laughs> that would be my answer. Yeah, exactly. So I do think your point earlier, though, about the increased – uh, field time for the defense what mm-hmm. is a valid thing to note and especially because yeah. we've seen look we've seen that with teams that play Wisconsin right when they they they're uh they play with pace and they're trying to get you know as many plays in as possible and if you go three and out it's, it's really tough on your defense if you're not able, if you're not having success on offense and you're going three and out and uh, you're taking about 30 seconds you know 40 seconds off the clock I think it's at least noteworthy and if Jim Leonard's defense had to be on the field more maybe it would not have been as successful as it was. Um, well, I don't think – I think that's pretty clear. I mean, how, how could you have the same numbers in terms of your total defense or or run defense if you have to be out there for more plays and four more minutes a game? It's it's going to be part of this equation, and it will be fascinating to see how it unfolds. And I'd have – yeah, again, I have no idea how it's going to unfold, but I think it that that certainly did play in, uh, in Wisconsin's defense favor that their offense the way it was going – uh, to be, uh, I think we may have ju- have talked about this last time we did, but um, who do you think benefits the most after talking to Phil Longo? Benefits the most from this change? Is it the wide receiver room? Is the is it the running back room? Is it the offensive line? Um, I'm not going to talk about the quarterbacks because uh, the quarterbacks that were here before um, aren't going to play. So, um, but like, who benefits the most from it? Well. My initial thought was twofold. It's the running backs and the wide receivers. And I say the running backs, and a couple people have mentioned this. Tanner Bordellini talked about it after the bowl game. And Braylon Allen talked about it when I was uh, speaking to him at Media Day. That's a story that will be coming at some point if all this craziness dies down. How excited they are to face six-man boxes (laughs) instead of eight or nine-man boxes. Um, And the reason that I I say that is there is – statistical evidence about how frequently Wisconsin had to deal with loaded boxes. And this was in a story that I had recently too, but 61.4% of Wisconsin's rushing attempts this past season came on snaps with eight or more defenders in the box. That's the fourth, the fourth highest rate in the FBS and the highest among non-service academies. So basically all those other teams that are ranked uh, above them run the triple option. And so obviously you're going to stack the box. That says an awful lot about how people feel about Wisconsin's offense or have felt about the offense. 
And that's not going to be the case this year if if Longo is able to to spread defenses out in the way that he believes is possible. So for that reason, oh man, I I almost feel like it's a tie just because that helps the offensive line. Because Tanner was talking about that too, Bordellini after the bowl game that there are situations and there were situations in the bowl game where he felt as though the offensive line didn't make a mistake, but the defense sent a safety and so it was eight on nine or whatever, and it they. they they couldn't block the extra guy, even though they did everything right. And that stuff necess- is not necessarily going to be present next season. So it helps the linemen, helps the running backs. I, I think Braylon and Chez are going to benefit tremendously. But I also feel like the wide receivers are going to have the best season of their career because they're going to have more opportunities in the passing game. So I don't know if I can pick just one. I think this is a good thing overall for Wisconsin's offense. Question for you, because we, ter- we, we heard from Phil Longo talking about tight end. and Yeah a little bit different looking tight end perhaps than what Wisconsin has been used to. Do you see any of the wide receivers potentially uh, as candidates to maybe uh, move into that? Uh, what have sent would have essentially become tight ends that are wide receivers. Like I, there, there are a couple of guys that just come to mind that are, that are big, a little bit bigger bodies. Um, a guy, well, I don't want to do this to you. Um, oh, uh, Tommy McIntosh. Yeah, he's he's a little bit bigger body, but I also I was also thinking about Chris Brooks Jr. too, who mm-hmm. is um, six two six three, but uh, built quite well and a, a bigger body that the defensive guys talked about, you know, giving them some trouble. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I guess it depends if uh, how many guys they get in the portal at wide receiver, um, and whether you know they're looking for some more bodies at tight end, which I think they certainly could be. Um, just based on injury wise uh, and and uh, style of the the players at the position. But do you think anybody like that uh, potentially could move positions? I think it's a possibility. It's really hard to say right now in part because we don't know how many wide receivers are going to come in. Let's say somehow they get three and that's 12. And I know Longo said he wanted 11 or 12. Do you move somebody out to a different spot where you believe they can make an impact? And he talked about having tight ends who are more of the hybrid type tight ends. I think they have some of those kinds of guys on the roster. I think of, I think of the real athletic tight ends, guys who played basketball in high school, the Jack Pews and the JTC Greaves who who could potentially thrive in in this environment. It's a possibility with some of those wide receivers, but it's just, it's so early to tell. And and I know we'll have more, much more informed discussion after we have uh, an opportunity to, to see how spring practice unfolds because the other thing is when you run an offense like this, you want to keep guys fresh and you want to keep rotating. And so if you can have depth at wide receiver in a way that we probably haven't seen at Wisconsin, then you want as many of those guys on the field at that position as you can find. But I think there's clearly going to be room for flexibility. Are you surprised at all that there haven't been more names in the portal leaving Wisconsin? Yes. And, yeah. And I am. Do we think it's going to, I mean, obviously, the the um, the window is going to be closing here soon. It was a forty five day window that started on December fifth, so it's going to be closing relatively soon. I don't, I, I wouldn't expect guys to enter at this point, but then there's a window that opens up after spring ball. Mm-hmm. A, I believe it's only, a, I believe it's a shorter day, or it's a shorter. I think it's window. fifteen. I think it's fifteen days because there's sixty days total in, in the the portal window, and it's forty five now and fifteen after spring ends. Okay. I think it's May first to the fifteenth. Right. I I guess I would be surprised if more guys don't leave after that point just because yes. they'll, they'll kind of get a feel as to what the system is. I think a lot of them have bought into Luke fickle and saying, you know, give us a shot. Let us give us a shot. Let us see how it plays out. And you know, if you don't like it, then, you know, you can move on. Some of the guys, some guys didn't, right. We, we know 
Obviously, they, they tried to do that with Graham. They tried to get Graham to stay. I also thought it was interesting that he was, it felt like Phil Longo was actually interested in, in working with Graham. Yep. It sounded like he was uh, kind of intrigued by potentially working with Graham. Uh, he had recruited him out of high school. So um, I thought that was noted, noted. But do you think that's going to happen after spring ball? We get a, a bigger number of guys uh, potentially leaving. I do. Uh, to answer the the first part of it, I'm, I'm surprised that more people haven't left. I really, I thought, especially after Jim Leonard didn't, didn't get the job that, it was going to be a big issue for Wisconsin. And I think that Luke Fickle deserves a lot of credit for what he's been able to do. One of his first orders of business was to have a lot of one-on-one -on -one meetings with people. And obviously players bought in someone like Braylon Allen. We know it's one of the most important pieces to that offense it could have gone other places. And it was rumored during the season to go other places decided to come back because he liked what Fickle had to say, but Yes, after spring practice, I would anticipate that there are more guys that leave. And I don't know if it's going to be a ton because the window is different. It's that's a challenge when you've it's a 15 day portal window and summer so, is not that far away. And but it's not like you have to have to pick a school in that time. It's just no, you have 15 you, days you to, but to go into the portal. You yeah, you've got to be sure of your decision at that time. But yeah, because of the number of players that they're bringing in, that's going to push other guys out. And as we've said, they're not done yet. They've added. Seven players in the portal. Won't be surprised if that gets to double digits when it's all said and done, even though Luke Fickle and staff have said they don't want to be a transfer portal team. They obviously know that they need to upgrade at several different positions. And even in recruiting, um, some of the people that they brought in, they brought in six defensive backs, and not all those guys are going to be ready to play, but maybe one or two flashes or, or somebody flashes at a different position who's going to be an early enrollee. I absolutely think it's going to cause some guys to enter the portal after the spring. But by then they'll have a pretty, I think they'll have a pretty clear idea of, of where they stand going into the season. Um, and I think that's part of the challenge about guys leaving after the season when there's a new staff is you don't necessarily know what could have been. Whereas after spring, you've got a better sense. Yep. And we'll see. The news is never going to stop, Jesse. And I know nope. neither one of us is hating on that whatsoever. More interesting stuff coming with Wisconsin here as the off season continues. And uh, we'll talk about it every single week. Uh, anything you wanted to add? Anything you got a, left open there? I think we pretty well covered it, but more news will be will be happening. So keep tuning in and keep reading. What else you got coming athletic-wise here this week? Yeah, well, I already had two stories today. One uh, on I, I thought I'll mention this because I, I think it it fits into this. I, I wrote this column about Fickle's recruiting drive and like his competitiveness, and I don't know. If, you remember this, you probably do. It was a question that I asked him about who was going to, uh, it was a question two weeks before the bowl game. And I asked him if he had any concerns about fielding a competitive team yeah, because yep. how many guys had left all three cap, like his answer told me all I need to know about Luke fickle and taught me a valuable lesson that you just never questioned Luke fickle about competitiveness because he's like <laughs> about how disrespectful it would be to think that these guys are going to come in and not field a competitive team, blah, blah, blah. And then they won the bowl game. Um, I just thought that was an interesting anecdote that sort of highlights exactly what he's all about and how competitive he is. And that translates to recruiting, but in terms of stories, uh, I will have a story on Jake Renfro and his decision. Like I said, I think it's a really big addition for Wisconsin. And I suppose there are more stories that I don't know that I'll be writing because there are more guys who are going to commit, but uh, there's a lot more at the athletic coming. I, I promise you that there's a lot of stories in the works. Nobody better on the beat writing about the Badgers than Jesse Temple at The Athletic. Uh, Jesse, we'll catch, we'll catch up next week. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple. You've been listening to The Camp.